You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ainella, and today's guest is Kelsey Warren. She's a career performance and well-being coach and the chief happiness officer of the Seamless Coach LLC. She helps individuals elevate well-being so that they can have all of the ingredients they need to truly love their careers. Kelsey also does team training and leadership development for small businesses. Before becoming a coach, Kelsey was a clinical social worker and therapist, which aligns perfectly with her holistic approach to career satisfaction and allows her the skills to coach on more than just traditional resumes and interview preparation. Kelsey is also the founder of The Seamless Community, her monthly membership for women who are looking for support, education, and coaching around their own career transition. So Kelsey, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. I think based on obviously your experience just being in corporate and also social work and all that stuff combined with actually putting the business things together are so important. So I'm so glad that you're here to like provide all those like meaty nitty gritty pieces that are important. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So can you give us a little backstory on what your story is, how you fell into kind of being the seamless coach? Because obviously I'm sure it wasn't linear. And also like, I'm curious to hear how you being a social worker and like a therapist then translated to business because they're totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a long story as I think all of them are, but condense it a little bit. I initially started out with bachelor's in psychology. I love the mind and how people think. And always along the way. Like I had this little like creative side, graphic design. And so I think I always, you know, looking back knew that you could combine those two things. And obviously psychology and marketing are like so intertwined. But I think as life happens, I met my husband, he is in the Air Force. And so that kind of impacted my trajectory. I had it in my mind, I was going to be a PhD psychologist but there aren't any online accredited programs or very few at the time there were. So, you know, with us moving frequently, that just wasn't really an option for me. So I actually decided to go into social work. It's very broad. There's a lot of opportunity with it. So I can still kind of do the mind thing. And along the way, I still was, you know, picking up extra tasks at work. I was designing flyers. I was doing trainings and the whole time also like mentoring and coaching people that I worked with, like on their career, you know, aspirations, things like that. So over time I got into it. I actually started doing the therapy once I graduated. That's a whole nother story, but I became a supervisor of a clinical team and I loved that so much more. And I think when I had that final realization, it was really, really scary for me because I had invested all of this time into my degrees and eight years of experience trying to makes this work for me. And like I said, I always knew something was just off with it. But when I landed that role, it was a lot of admin. There was a lot of like strategy with getting referrals and things and also coaching and developing the employees that I had. And I just felt at home simultaneously. I was pregnant and had my daughter and the schedule of that just wasn't really aligning. I had on call. There was a lot of crisis work. It wasn't safe all the time. So it just wasn't really like conducive to a family. And from there, I transitioned into relationship management for a business. It was actually a real estate media company that I still work with today, thankfully, like in a leadership development capacity. And that kind of brought me into the business side. And then I transitioned into a business coach for a pretty well-known entrepreneur. 
and really got into the details of like strategic planning, the leadership aspect, the marketing, all of the things. I was the member experience coordinator too. So I got to use the psychology skills, the social work skills and think of how do people think and implement it in the business as far as like doing audits of the program got inside the brains of the members that we had and really kind of helped improve the program in that way. Loved it. And then eventually, obviously, as we all are here, (laughs) I had this urge, okay, I just need to go out on my own and do all these things. I have the skills to combine them all together. And at the same time, still helping people on the side, you know, for free or mentoring. Like, why don't I just do it? So that's the shortish long version. (laughs) It's funny because when we're in the moment and we're going through all these transitions and stuff, we think that nothing is linear. It's not making sense. Like there's no stepping stones, right? It doesn't make sense the order in which we're doing things. And yet when you look back now, you can just tell, oh, I did the social work to learn the like marketing piece, right? Because like you said, emotion and psychology, like they all go hand in hand when it comes to marketing. And then in terms of like learning the basics of business, you worked with someone who like already did it. So you can essentially take, not replicate their system, but like you basically were able to get the shortcut version versus like what most entrepreneurs do, which is like similar to kind of what I do where they just quit and then they figure it out. And like part of that is great, but the other part is like, holy crap, you have to build it as a ship is sailing. It's cool to see it all come together. But something that I know that you touch on a lot and is kind of like the shame guilt trip we all get when we leave behind those degrees and stuff. I don't know if you can get into that a little bit, just because I'm sure in your experience, right, leaving behind years and years of being in social work, and I'm sure like maybe people around you were like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? Like, (laughs) how how dare you? So can you get into that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. So not just me. I feel like really anyone that I talk to, they don't even recognize it until you start talking about it. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I yeah, totally felt that way. And I just maybe didn't realize it in the moment. And I think First of all, the thing with shame and Brene Brown, shame researcher, love her. She's amazing. But she basically, you know, says that shame gets its power, derives its power from being unspeakable. So really like us not wanting to address those things is what is keeping it. It's like growing it. It's getting bigger. It's becoming this like giant monster. But you quote unquote, like you don't really know what it is because you're not willing to go there and like accept, you know, for me, it was knowing that I still have student loans, right? And I used my husband's GI bill to pay for my entire master's degree. So there was like that added layer of like, okay, I took this from him and used it for myself on something that I'm not even like truly passionate about anymore. I think also there's this whole thing, you graduate and you go to college or you get a a degree or you go even into the workforce. A lot of times there's like so much pressure around that from like friends and family members and coworkers. And you're telling everyone that this is what you're passionate about. You're so excited about it and you're pursuing it. And so to actually come to terms with it and face the fact that like, this isn't maybe necessarily what I thought it was going to be. I didn't anticipate these problems or these issues coming up with it. It takes a lot to identify what that like root issue really is. And then also be able to start to work on it and get the confidence to explain it to other people. Yeah, I feel like unraveling a prior life is so, takes so much, not only like from a physical perspective of, right, like creating the money, like finding the job that's more aligned, things like that, but also like mentally, you're just kind of like, who who the hell am I? Like, I feel so lost because I built this life prior with what I thought, right? And you're doing the best you can at that moment. Like when you're 18 and have to make a decision, like you don't know too much about life. So when you make that decision, it's kind of like the best you can. 
And then 10 years later, you're like, okay, I need to do something different. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it's really, really hard. Yeah, definitely. I almost like view it as a relation. Like when you break up with someone in a relationship, (laughs) you know, you are infatuated with it at the beginning. You're super excited. And then like, as time goes on, it just like, you kind of lose a piece of yourself. And I think it's really important to even if the situation is toxic or you're leaving it or whatever, like if you're leaving it in a good place to move on to something better, to just acknowledge that you are almost like grieving something that you thought was going to be your whole like career path. That's really important in that transition process. Yeah. So how can we, like what questions can someone ask themselves when they're like identifying reasons for feeling the shame or the emotions or even change in general, right? Because especially with the great resignation, everyone is leaving, everyone is pivoting, everyone is changing. We still have the emotion there, right? So what do we do with that? It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. I think identifying really the cause of it, the root cause of it is important. So questions that you could ask yourself quickly to, or even journal about to hone in on what that actually is, is, you know, things like, what would it mean for me if I was in a career that I truly loved? Or something like, what do I feel is the biggest piece of avoidance in my life right now? And for a lot of people, that's not something that's at work. Maybe it's like a relationship or something else, but that all ties into your career satisfaction overall. So getting really clear about what you're avoiding, like what your future could look like or what you anticipate it looking like. And then also, I think another good question to ask is, kind of a comparison question. How am I different today than when I went into this position in all areas? Yeah. Cause we completely change from like, for me, I don't know about you, but I change a lot and very often. So it's like literally the person I was six months ago is very different from the person I was at like 23, right? At 23, my values are completely, completely different. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. My like favorite thing to say is your life isn't static. Your career shouldn't be either. Yeah. I don't know how people did it, you know, years ago where they just stayed at the same job for 20 years and never changed. I feel like, like, how do you as a human do that? I don't, I don't get it. There's, it's a, I mean, this is a whole other soapbox too, but even, you know, (laughs) being a therapist and stuff in the past, I think this generation, thankfully, and like, you know, sometimes not the greatest to be so self-aware, but not that they weren't self-aware, I guess, prior, but the emphasis on actually identifying emotion, all the research that's out on it and all of the tools that we have at our disposal now, podcasts, like journaling, courses, like so much personal development stuff out there right now, I think is allowing people to kind of dig deeper into what they're doing right now. And even people that are, you know, older in their careers or that have been at their jobs for 10, 15 years are now starting to like get their hands on these tools to do some self-reflection and say like, and see other people doing it. Like, Hey, I don't have to be stuck in this spot for forever. Yeah. But the other side of that too, that I find is that like, because we're all hyper-focused on like finding the root cause, it's like never fucking ending. Like I just feel like all day long, I'm like trying to figure out what is the trauma I had in my childhood that's going to make me a better business owner once I figure it out. Like, you know, that's, it's fine. But as like a therapist, like when you put your social worker hat on, do you find that like in some ways is actually like negative or that there's problems with it that maybe people aren't taking into consideration when they do this deep work? Or is it not? Like, I don't know. I'm just curious what your take is on it. I think, yes, there's positives and negatives. I think when it can be negative, when it keeps you from taking action, right? If you are like stuck in that analysis paralysis for too long, or you allow like the shame and what has happened in the previous life to impact you moving forward in the future life, then that would be a time where you could definitely seek out a therapist. Like if you are like looking for coaching, if you want to just improve what's going on right now, 
coaching is the way to go. Therapy, if there's things in your past that are still like unsettled, definitely recommend. And I feel like a lot of it too, because of you've probably experienced this too, like being that more entrepreneurial spirit as well. Like that is just ingrained. That's innate. Like we are very motivated intrinsically, but also kind of have a level of, it works well for entrepreneurs or business-minded people that they have so many different interests that allows them at the beginning to be all things in the business like they need to be. Yeah. It just sometimes gets, as you kind of said, like, I don't want to say overwhelming, but like right when you were at your social worker job or like in that area, you were doing the flyers, like all these different things. So it's like, okay, I have this degree of like being in the like doctoral type of category, right? Solving that problem. But now you're also solving a graphic design problem, which is like, okay, do I now identify as a social worker or do I identify as a graphic designer? Like, cause I can't be the doctor graphic, you know what I mean? Like when you think about people who say like, oh, define your niche, define what your like strategy is, define who you are. Being multifaceted is amazing, but it also can be so overwhelming cause you're like, okay, but how the fuck do I pick one? Yeah. Yeah. That is a, that's a, such a good question. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm directing at you. It's just more of like, this is a day-to-day thing. <laughs> like, I feel like I never have figured out. I feel like I, and a lot of it too, is like the privilege that you have to be able to start or stop, like you're doing your own thing or doing like a side business or your own business. But for me, when I think back, like I definitely along the way, like you said, was crafting this business that I'm in and combining all of those things. Like my website isn't great, but I can do it, right? I can do some Zapier automation. Like I can do these things and also provide the coaching and like do the strategy for the business. And now it's like all culminated into this little baby that I have. And I think if you, like you particularly, anyone can find a way to bring all of those passions together in a way that makes sense. Now, always just searching after your passion is kind of like, I don't recommend doing that solely, but you got to be a little bit smart about it. But you have to like, there is a way that you can either find a job that there exists or maybe create one for yourself or start a business that does combine all of your strengths, that does make you happy. And understanding too, that there's always going to be parts of any job, whether you're a business owner or an employee or both that you like, there's going to be days where you don't love it or things that you don't like about it. I don't feel like there is a perfect job out there, really. Agreed. I was thinking about that this morning of like, right, I left my corporate job because I was like done with the stress and the BS and the hurdles and like all these things. And yet when you're in, you're running the business yourself, it's the same shit, just in a different scenario. I don't have to report to upper management, but I sure as hell have to deal with clients who just like are complaining and not doing the work or like this person fell through who was supposed to do the recording or like there's still hurdles. They're just from a different perspective. Yeah, but at least you are able to like live out your professional values in what you're doing right now. Oh, definitely. And speaking on values, can you kind of talk on like what the difference is between personal and professional values? Because I found, right, there are certain needs that need to be met when I'm like sitting at a desk doing work. But, you know, the other part of it is like, I need to have a life with my family and my boyfriend and like, you know, travel and like all these other things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think when someone thinks of like, their personal values. A lot of times I hear people say like, oh, their morals or like the ethics around it. And I think the same is true for work. And I do think there are a lot of people that those situations overlap or there's certain ones that overlap. Like for me, humor in my personal life, humor at work, like both required. I love that stuff. But I think there are there's a large group of people that are not the same person at work as they are at home. And so the values that you have and hold on a day-to-day basis just in your personal life may not be the ones that you carry over with you in work. For example, someone could be like when they sit down to work, like super driven, super motivated, like 
very detail oriented. And then when they're at home, they like put the milk in the cupboard and they're just like spacey. I'm not talking about myself right now. So (laughs) (laughs) like, or they just like, just want to hang out. Right. So those kind of things, you just have to really identifying them is a good first place to start. Like what is different about my personal life versus my professional life? Yeah. Do you find that there is a way to combine both? Because like, okay, prime example, like I, as everyone knows, I drop F-bombs. I'm the no BS person. That shit won't fly at a corporate table. Like if I, if I decide to go back to corporate, right, or get another job, whatever it ended up being, or even in certain scenarios, right, being in certain media places or interview, whatever it is, like some people are going to be like, no cursing. We'd be like, but that's who I am. Now what? So do you find that there is a way to combine the both? Or if you can't combine them, what do you do about that? Like, how do you make the best of it? So once you've actually identified them, like prioritizing them, obviously, is probably the best first step because then you can, like, if you just know that about yourself and that's not something you can really, like, fix or necessarily control, I'm sure you're very good at filtering because you had worked in corporate prior. (laughs) But if you decide that you, like, hold that very, like, in a high regard as one of your, you know, workplace and professional values, then... I like to consider it more like a budget or some spending. Like if you want to keep that one in your savings, like you're not willing to spend it, keep it there. And might be other things that you're willing to compromise on or spend that are not as important to you. So it's just a matter of the prioritization, the ranking them, and then finding and seeking out opportunities that support those things to allow you to keep those things in your savings versus having to spend them. So for you, it'd be... You know, I'm thinking of like startups and stuff where it's just like a lot more lax or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that we talked about, right, like professional values, personal values, like a lot of things that I talk to with people when they, you know, the topic of values comes up is that they just don't feel fulfilled, like in their workplace of choice. And that's like, how does somebody even determine what that looks like? Because, you know, for so long, they've been just doing the mundane or just going with the motions because, right, they have to pay the bills and blah, blah, blah. And this is what their degree was. So like, how do you uncover what it is that you, the human, you know, you, Kelsey, what made you fulfilled enough to now grow a business out of it or just deviate from the initial path? Yeah, that's a really, a really good question. And I think almost when you go back to like when you are working in the day-to-day, especially in a job that you don't really love, there may be good days and bad days, but if you're not super engaged, you don't have great relationships, the positive emotion is really hard to cultivate, and there's not like much achievement that really, it starts to just wear on you. And I feel like you become numb to pretty much everything. So in addition to not really feeling the negative emotion, you're also not able to feel any positive emotion either because you're just kind of baseline and in the middle. And to be able to identify what your workplace values truly are, it can be really difficult if you're like, heck, I have no idea. But getting really just kind of introspective, asking yourself a lot of questions about what you, like I said, like what you do want. I love the magic wand. Like if you were to wave a magic wand and tomorrow you could wake up in your dream role, like what would that look like for you? Crafting yourself like a fake like acceptance letter to a new position, even if it's like your own role, like your your own business, you could do that as like a little exercise if you're creative like that. But I think once you identify what those values are and actually start living them out and place like firm boundaries around them, you'll find that the fulfillment is a lot greater. Even if the work isn't, you're at least being authentic to yourself because when you're not acting in integrity with your values, your confidence is low, you don't feel great, you can get sick. Like there's just so many things that can happen from it. I'm just like a big fan of values. (laughs) 
So you touched on boundaries, which I feel like, especially in America, is something that doesn't exist. It's funny, too. I was talking to a reporter the other day, and she was saying how, like, when she was younger, because she's in Norway and she was growing up in the UK, she was saying how back then everyone was like, USA is so cool. Like, I want to move to America. Like, right, live the dream. And now I'm finding that the tables are being turned where, like, you know, paid leave when you're having maternity leave is like being pulled back. Like they're saying, okay, work nine to five, but it's really like eight to seven. Like there are the weekends, like all these things that we originally put in place are being stripped away and boundaries are like, and not a thing. Like it's like kind of when the boss tells you like, okay, I want you to take personal time for yourself. I want you to take the mental health days. But then at the same time, they're almost like threatening you with like, well, if you do take time off during Q4, that's going to quote unquote look bad. So it's almost like a threatening thing of like possibly giving up the promotion for you or something like that because of that. But like, how do you put in boundaries and like establish work-life balance? Like, and this even goes for business owners too. Do you have like a methodology or some suggestion on how to put those things in place after so long of them not existing? Yeah, I think it's first of all hard to do. So just acknowledging that it's hard and it's going to be probably a rough transition and a learning process for you. I feel like implementing boundaries and routines and sticking to them is kind of like working out like a muscle. You have to keep doing it and get that repetition in place. And I think for that reason, I kind of shy away from using like work-life balance because balance is such a fluid term and there is not a lot of evidence to support if you're balanced or not, if it means something different to every person. So with boundaries and saying like work-life boundaries and kind of viewing them more as a line, like drawing a line in the sand that someone needs permission to cross or that you give yourself permission to go over or cross if you're going to do that. It allows you a lot more tangible data to see, okay, on Monday and Tuesday, I you know went home on time. I did not stay like late. I didn't answer any work texts or anything. But on Wednesday, I did this, this, and this. So it gives you a lot of like feedback and data, which I'm also... I just a really big fan of data too. (laughs) And then you can start to get really curious about like, okay, well, what do I need to put in place to help me be successful with this boundary if it is truly something that I want? Or if you are, you know, sharing with other people, you can provide evidence to them. You know, I have seen a significant improvement in my, you know, mental health or fulfillment at work since I have implemented these boundaries. And you can come with some solid evidence and data to support them supporting you in your boundary setting. Now, would that, like, for people who haven't set boundaries, like, would that be, like, taking to the internet to find research to back up their claim when they go to their manager, who's typically, like, no, you have to work when the work calls you type of thing, to then say, no, 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 like, I'm paid nine to five after I need to focus on myself. Like, how do you even have that difficult conversation if it's like not even in the vocabulary type of thing? Right, right. I think before you even, you know, really do that, I would hope, I would hope for everyone that they have like a manager or some sort of someone in leadership that supports them enough to have a conversation prior to starting even to implement these things. Because even if it's your partner, a family member, a friend, even coworkers, your boss, whoever it is, I think this may be like a bit of a, hot take or something. But I think that you do owe it to them if you haven't had good boundaries to at least explain what you're trying to do and implement. And a lot of people will say like, who cares about them? Like do what you need to do. But I think, you know, you can't really expect them to just like adjust accordingly if you haven't really explained what it is you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. So if you are able to at least have that initial conversation with your boss and say, hey, I am struggling in these areas, I would like to try implementing some boundaries around this particular thing. 
get feedback if needed, and then just go from there and see how it works out. That way, the next time you have that conversation, if it's not working out, you can explain why. Or if it is working out, then you can keep adding more and create even, you know, even more structure in your day. Yeah. I find with a lot of people, they just don't like confrontation because right then they feel like their job is on the line. And right, I mean, the benefit is right now with the current landscape, so many people are leaving that these employers would probably want to keep you. So if you put in place boundaries now might be a great place, you know, and you don't want to threaten them by saying like, I'm going to leave if you don't respect me. But essentially, yeah, I'm going to leave if you don't respect me. But like, I was just talking to someone yesterday who he's in enterprise sales, like in tech, and he wanted to take off like Christmas Eve or something or like the day before Christmas Eve. So he'd have like three days or whatever it is. And they were like, yeah, no, no one's allowed to take any dime off in Q4. We can revisit this, you know, maybe in February. And he's like, hold the fuck up. Like five, six months, I'm not allowed to take off any time of work. Like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, he still needs to rely on this job. So he's trying to figure out what to navigate. But like, it's extremely hard when you're relying on these companies and they put some ridiculous thing in place like that and you can't budge or you feel like you can't budge. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are unfortunately in that position or they can't afford to quit their jobs right now. They have you know kids to take care of. They need insurance or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, something that's important to me is making sure that people have the tools that they need if they are in an environment like that, that doesn't support boundaries. And I think you can really do that by kind of elevating well-being in all areas of your life when you're not at work to help the work environment become a little bit more manageable when you are there. Does that fall in line with like your positive framework methodology? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you get into that then? Yeah. So I, like I said, big data nerd, just big psychology nerd in general. But <laughs> um, there is actually a recipe for flourishing. People say happiness, flourishing, joy interchangeably, but flourishing is kind of the definition that is used. And it was actually discovered by Dr. Martin Seligman. He's kind of the father of positive psychology and it's the PERMA framework, essentially. I've adapted it a bit to be in my coaching and then like applying it directly to career and just holistic approach. But essentially it is cultivating positive emotions. So like I talked about before, that doesn't just mean only positive. It's finding areas to have positive emotion while also identifying negative. And then engagement, being engaged at work is a huge thing that people struggle with, especially now. It's just kind of like with COVID, especially going back to work too, it's just, it's a struggle. So if you can find ways to be engaged at work by like switching up your desk area, cleaning, like going for coffee instead of just like, you know, sitting at the office or at home, even things like that. Relationships is the other one. So if your relationships at work, you, there's, I mean, you've tried the best you can and they're still not working out. Try to really get fulfillment out of the relationships you have at home or work on those ones. Meaning is the M piece. So making sure that what you're doing has like purpose and meaning. And if you don't have that at work right now, great time to start a side business that kind of taps into those or even do some like volunteering or anything that really helps like cultivate that for you. And then achievement is the last piece. So in addition to raises and promotions, just what really brings you joy and achievement. A lot of people like take to other things like, you know, running marathons or weightlifting or, you know, creating a new craft or doing a new hobby, something that will bring you that feeling, a sense of accomplishment outside of the workplace. And I think when you elevate all of those areas in your life, then really it kind of leads to the flourishing lifestyle. I agree. I do like all those things. And I've done bits here and there in certain areas when you feel like really down in the dumps and it does help a lot. The thing too is that you're going to change. Like the achievements that 
I thought were achievements back then, which was like getting the six-figure job and the fancy brownstone apartment and all those things have now changed where it's more like impact purpose-driven type work or like having conversations with people and then walking away feeling excited and fulfilled. Like that to me is the new achievement. But like, you know, not everyone can identify exactly what it is that makes them feel a certain way. Like, do you recommend like this recipe for flourishing audit every so often? Like how often do we expect to change where we have to like, walk through all these things again and change up either our job, our environment, the way that we go about things, like all of that. Yeah. I actually have a workplace wellness like challenge assessment that is part of my membership that I have them do like initially. I think that's something that you can just, if you, I'm a really big fan of like reflection time. So whether it's Sunday night or like, you know, Friday morning, whatever, just having like, you know, 10, 15 minutes to just reflect on what you've done this week, your goals. If you're a business owner, that's a great habit to get into, or you want to start a business, like doing that for yourself first, before you do it in the business, highly, highly recommend because like, as you know, like if you're not feeling okay with yourself or aligned with what you're doing, then it's going to translate. But you could do it weekly, you could do it monthly, quarterly, whatever, you know, you feel like it depends on what season of life you're in. If you are, you know, experience a lot of change, maybe do it more frequently. If you're pretty steady, you could do it less often. But you said too, like, when you're having conversations with people and you walk away, like paying attention to those kind of things and how they're different for you now versus then, I think is a really, really good way to kind of see what lights you up. And I think, I'm pretty sure it was you on your stories, you were talking about how you just got off a conversation with someone and you felt like energized by it. And that is something that like, that was a key indicator that I knew that, okay, coaching is a lot more for me than therapy is because those conversations and therapy for me personally, I know some people love it and they belong there. (laughs) Really, really draining, like just an energy drain for me. But when I get off a coaching call with a client, I'm like, Sometimes if they're at night, like I can't sleep. My husband's like, what the heck are you doing? Like go to sleep. But I'm just like so excited. And for something that would typically like drain me as I'm more of an introvert actually brings me energy. Just being aware of those things and paying attention. But if you give yourself a space like once a week to try to reflect on those things that have happened, you will become more aware of what it is that actually lights you up. Yeah. And experimenting. Like I find that the more that I experiment, I'm like, oh, that I like that. I'm going to incorporate that. Oh, I don't like that. Okay. We're going to push that away. Then it just makes it nicer because they get to like, for example, the way that I like to start my mornings by journaling, that's just like a practice I've had for six years. And it is the best freaking thing. It's one of my favorite, favorite things. And if I don't do it, I'm almost like, oh, like I need, like, I need to go do it. It's like missing, like I'm missing that energetic piece in my day. And like everyone needs to find their thing. If you're doing the same thing every single day, you're doing the same exact job, talking to the same exact people. And that doesn't mean you have to quit or do something crazy. It's just like, try something new, like take up a new hobby, like talk to a new person. You never know how you're going to walk away from it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Those habits in the morning too are going to serve you. Like they're going to just continue to serve you as a business owner, just making sure that you have like yourself in order and you are aligned because if something's going to be off in your business, like you'll have so much more evidence. People pick up on it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. People pick up on it immediately. And even us as consumers, like, right, you know, those people who are trying to sell you something, whether it's going to be shit or it's going to be gold, just based on the the energy that they transmute. If you want to get really technical and weird, but like it is like, you know, not to say that I'm making six figures in my business, but a lot of people say, oh my God, I love your videos because they're so raw and authentic. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to get out there. It means I'm doing it right, but that doesn't mean that I'm making it big. I just have figured out one key component to the whole, you know, amazing puzzle of being a business owner. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And living out your value of authenticity. I feel like that's probably one of yours. They are. Yeah. Cause I wasn't able to do that in corporate. 
So, and I'm sure you weren't too in your social work job and that whole type of thing. It's just, you know, you have to be on, on the money all the time. And it's also from my friend who's a social worker, there are moments where shit is scary. Like you have certain patients who do things that are like, I don't want to say a life or death situation, but it could be really fucking scary. Someone goes haywire and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die today. <laughs> Maybe not exactly, but kind of. No, it, I mean, that is true. I had a client get murdered in her house and it was not a time that I should have been there for an in-home session, but by chance I wasn't. And so that was like, uh, I have like chills thinking about it. It was just like very heavy. And I think that's like probably the biggest part of shame for me to leave behind knowing that like, okay, why am I not the person that wants to help these people or that at the expense of what? Like my family, my friends, myself, like my mental health, like And I just had to like understand and like accept that there are people that, like I said, enjoy that work. That work lights them up. They love crisis. Like I do not want to be on the phone at 11 o'clock on a Friday night talking to someone three hours away, standing outside and there's someone with a like ax trying to kill them. That really happened. (laughs) Like I can't, that it was just something that I couldn't personally do. And I think from what I have seen from people that have transitioned out of like the mental health space into something else, or even like teacher or anyone in a helping profession, really, like there's a lot of shame around just like leaving that and like feeling like you couldn't help those people. Yeah. I'm sure you get the same thing in coaching too, because right. I mean, I talk to people all day long and like, you know, right off the bat, once you get on the phone with them or the zoom that like, they're not a good fit. Like I like you and we may like each other, but I'm not the person to support you. And so in that case, I have to be the bigger person and be like, I would love to charge you, right? You'd be that person. I'd love to charge you, make money off you, but this is not the right scenario. And so I I need to give you now instructions on how to find someone better or recommend someone else. It's hard to walk away because you're like, I could help, but it's not going to be the best help either. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you're even willing to identify that and do that, like a lot of people don't and a lot of coaches don't. And so I just appreciate that. And that is so needed. Like if you, if you're a coach or you have plans of being a coach, like take note of Cappy because that's so important. It's so important, especially if you are working in like life coaching or even business consulting, like you can really do some damage if you are taking on people that you feel like you really can't support. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want to over promise and then under deliver. It's the worst thing that you could possibly do. Yeah, I agree. Worst thing ever. So I want to switch gears a little bit, right? We're talking about like shame and emotion about leaving the job and workplace boundaries and all that stuff. So like, I guess kind of wrapping up all the things we talked about, right? Recipe for flourishing, all that. It's like, how can someone establish a plan whether they decide to transition into a new industry or career or if they want to like be ballsy and quit their job and start a business? Like, how do they even do that? So I guess my approach is a little bit different than most and it's not going to, my advice is never going to be just throw darts at a wall. And I don't think that that's a great method. It wastes a lot of time and builds a lot of frustration. So I would encourage everyone, if you are considering changing career paths, new job, starting a business, to take a step back and just kind of sit and do some like evaluating and some work and work on that emotional piece. I call it like the mastering emotions, like figure out what it is exactly about your current position that's not working for you. What would you like it to look like? Is there anything that you can do personally to improve the situation? Take some personal accountability and, you know, is there anything you can do better as an employee that would make your situation improve? I think those are like the first steps. And then from there, kind of like I said, doing that elevating well-being process simultaneously is great. I would then go into defining your values, like seeing what it is that you truly want and then 
my other fourth component would be really be to explore purpose. So start doing that kind of, like you said, experimenting the exploring, whether through informational interviews, through volunteering. If you want to just like stop doing what you're doing, that's totally fine. And like, I support people. I just had a client two weeks ago. She quit her job. Like she's like, I'm done. But supporting her through the process of like taking some time before she jumps into something else to figure out like what it is she really wants to be doing. I think just kind of slowing down a little bit in something that seems to be, it feels very urgent, right? When you feel yeah. oh, like you man. need to get out right now, <laughs> it's just like the urgency is not going to go away. But when you kind of take a step back and rationalize a bit of what's going on, it will serve you so much better. I like to call it the cycle of disengagement. So if you don't do those things prior, I have found and seen that when you do get into your next role, once that newness, the infatuation wears off, like you're stuck in the same cycle of like, I can't handle this. Like, I don't have the tools. I need something else. And that's like, as a serial former job hopper, like <laughs> that is something that I was doing frequently until I actually like took a step back and like realized, okay, the next move needs to be something that's getting me closer to the target, not farther away. And also like just accepting that, you know, your next move, whatever it is, whether it's starting a business or, you know, taking a part-time job while you start a business or moving jobs completely, doesn't have to be the final destination and it's probably not going to be either. So when you do that kind of reflection work, it will allow you to see, okay, well, this is just a stepping stone to get me to the next place. Yeah. Similarly to you, the urgency is never ending. Like every single day, even when I know that there is, there's someone I follow and essentially she calls it like power through non-action. So it's like, you're still taking action, but it's not the action that you're accustomed to thinking is the correct action, which is like hustle and bustle and move and shake and whatever it is. Like it's still action, but you're like resting or you're like reading or you're doing something that brings you joy because it's still a form of action. It's just not the like corporate type of action that we're conditioned to think is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've talked about too, like just making sure that when you are doing those things, like you're finding something that serves you, like you said, like your morning routine, like getting those things in place is going to prepare you so much better for when you do own your own business, because there's not going to be anyone that you're reporting to and that you're going to have to like pull yourself off the couch and like go sit at the computer or like bring the computer onto the couch however you <laughs> want to work. And you have to stay like keep yourself like accountable and motivated and having those like routines and habits built in and being in a place where you feel like your well-being's in a good spot and you have like those habits formed already prior to moving into the next thing it's just going to be so much easier for you to kind of stick to that if you quit with the urgency and you don't have a plan but you also haven't established like anything that grounds you day to day. Like you have your journaling, like that probably a lot of your business ideas probably came from that journal. They did. Oh my, yes, they did. And I flip back and I'm like, holy crap, remember when I yes. said that thing? <laughs> yes. So even those little things, like they build up over time. And if you don't like bring some of that with you, it can just like feel really scary and chaotic. And that's when people, you know, like the statistics of people that start businesses that never you know, they quit within the first year. So those are the things that are going to keep you forward into the action. Yeah. It's like, as they say, acting as if you are your future self already realized. So like my future self was the person who journaled every single day and it took, you know, however many years to get it done. And now I'm six years into doing it. So like you have to start somewhere. Yes, I totally agree. So other than all the gold nuggets you sprinkled in here about shame and workplace values and all that stuff, something I like to finish up with all my episodes is basically asking guests, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? 
I even knew this question was coming and I was getting emotional. (laughs) I don't want to cry. Okay. So I just, I've already said this, but I just, I'm almost 30. I'm going to be 30 in a few months. And I always, you know, for so long felt like I was just starting over every time I would start something new. And it was just like, so frustrating. And at the same time, I was helping all these people around me, like find their dream jobs and, I said to my one of my friends one time, I was like in tears and just saying like, I can help so many people find their dream jobs, but why can't I do that for myself? And she just immediately was like, because that is your dream job. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 oh my God, that's hilarious. I mean, no, that's like, it's just, it's such a simple thing, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, well, That makes a whole lot of sense. So I think I would tell my younger self just like a reminder that everything that has happened to you and like, or to me in my life, like is on purpose, you know, for a purpose, that's cliche, I know, but like, it is true. And I would not be where I am today, like any of it, whether it's my career or, you know, my baby, my husband, like my family, my friends, if I hadn't taken, like made the mistakes that I made, if I hadn't, you know, taken the path winding roads that I had taken, you know, it would look a lot different. And I'm just very grateful. So just to, you know, give myself some grace and knowing that like you're on your own schedule, it'll come when the time is ready. Maybe I'm still waiting a little bit, but it'll it'll flourish. (laughs) I love that though. It's so, I think for a lot of people who are listening, it might give them inspiration to turn the lens on themselves and be like, you know, okay, if Kelsey could figure out what she wants to do and she's identified, you know, her friend might've had to say like, oh, you're the person to do the dream, you know, be the dream job person for other people. But like flipping the script on people who are listening to you for themselves might help them actually uncover what it is they need to do. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I know it's like, it can be really scary to just be living life day to day and like feel like you're not living out who you are truly meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So can you kind of let everyone know where they can find you, if join your community, if they want to get, like, get in touch or whatever it is? Yeah, I'm pretty much the seamless coach on all things. So seamlesscoach.com, Instagram is where I hang out primarily. So the seamless coach on Instagram, on all things pretty much. So that is where you can connect with me on my website. There's a link to book a call if you would like to. There's also a free training you can watch on the community membership. So if you are a woman that is looking to get support and encouragement in that way, then you can watch that and join, or you can just send me a message. I'm very friendly, like to chat with you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you so much, Gabby, for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at she likes to gab. 